History happened everywhere. The verdict. This is our after-show podcast where we take a look back at the most recent episode, Zoology in Chile, during 1945 to 2022. So, if you haven't listened to that, go back, check it out, or else you will encounter spoilers ahead. But sorry, let's let's uh, let's let, let me sorry, shut up. Hello, I'm Pete Goddard, and I'm here in the studio with the butter to my toast, the deliciously creamy Ryan Weir. Hello, everyone. And we are joined, as ever, by the deeply dyspeptic Paul Dursley. Hello. I believe, Paul, you've been on holiday this week. No, no, I I had a couple of days away. It wasn't a holiday. That sounds a lot like a holiday to me. <laughs> An hour off is like a holiday to me. <laughs> So, Paul, where did you go? Uh, I went to Bath. Right, and can you give us one fact about the city of Bath? It was one of the first UNESCO World Heritage Sites. Did you learn that on your trip, or is that something you took no, with you? No, I, 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 I knew that. But we're not here to talk about Bath, we're here to talk about Chile. Paul, are you a zoological expert, or is it an area of knowledge that you lack? No, no. You never know what they're going to do next. Aren't animals a type of physics? Well, yes. Everything is a type of physics. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I was expecting to be called an idiot. Ryan, unexpectedly correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, unfortunately, uh, I, I suffered a blow to the head last week, Ryan, and I've completely forgotten the episode that we recorded and broadcast. Oh, my God. Gosh, are so, you okay? I feel all right now. I've recovered, except right. for I've just got this very specific memory block. So I wonder if <laughs> yeah. you could fill that in, but r- rather quickly, in the space of about a minute or so. Okay. When would you like me to do that? Roughly now-ish. In episode 47, I took us on a zoological journey to South America, specifically the West Coast strip of country called Chile. There we studied the various types of animals which are native to the land. We started on the streets with the Quiltro street dogs. Then we met the national animals, the Humal and the Condor. We met the world's smallest deer, the Pudu, and the world's smallest wildcat, the Codcod. We dove underwater to meet crabs with paddles, fish-hungry penguins, and human-hungry sharks. We marveled at frogs which swallow their own babies. We were distressed to learn the number of chinchillas needed to make a coat, we cuddled a hairy tarantula and found some COVID-free pumas. Finally, we uncovered some paleozoological finds in the forms of three recently discovered dinosaurs, and all whilst chugging glasses of delicious red wine and munching on uh, the guts of a cow. Last week's episode done, summarised nicely, nice one son, now we're over to a young Dursley who's gonna tell you what he thought of me, he'll take you apart without any care, he's the lovely Paul Dursley, the lovely Paul Dursley. Ah, uh, yes, you've nudged me and now it's all come flooding back to me. Oh, good, I'm pleased. Uh, and I enjoyed it thoroughly, I've also remembered. <laughs> yeah, good, I'm glad you remember that bit. But Mr Dursley, what did you think? Well, um, you know what follows hubris, don't you, Ryan? No, I don't really even know what hubris is. <laughs> Peter, tell him. <laughs> pride, over overweening pride. I thought you were very smug. You said, oh, this is all so easy. Oh, I see. You said it was so easy, and then the very first statement you said was wrong. Oh. You were going, and then and then you said Chile was the most westerly country of South America, which patently it is not. It's Ecuador, of course, continental, and Galapagos. 
I mean, it was still very west. You don't get much wester without getting much wetter. You said it was the most <laughs> westerly point. I love that this is how we start. <laughs> just whether or not I got the place right. <laughs> you got it. You, it was South America. That was good. You zoomed in on it nicely. A few minor details about how west it is. I still still know where it is, and I think that's the main thing. Well, I've been to both Chile and Ecuador, so I know which is the furthest west. You've been to Chile? Yes. That begs the question, did you munch on a bum in a bun? So just to give it its actual name, the sandwich de potito. Yes, indeed. The sandwich de potato. Not the bum bun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. And I wouldn't have if I'd have been offered it. Was that because you don't find yourself at the football very often? Or was it more because you didn't want to eat anus? More of the latter. I am not a great lover of offal. Oh, there's a reason why it's called offal. Because it's awful. Exactly. I actually had oysters for the very first time when I was in Chile. Oh, right. And were they good? No. Oh. <laughs> I was expecting them to be sort of large, like Colchester oysters. So I thought, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll only get a couple of them. They bought me a plate of about 30 of these tiny little things. And <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, I'd, I'd ordered a bottle of wine with it. So I just had six and then got drunk. I think that's probably how I would have to eat them as well. Well, even I'm not an oyster eater. so And I was a fan of the bottom buns. <laughs> um, so some other chili snacks that uh, that I was reading about. One that you might particularly like, Peter, the Italiano, which again is slightly confusing. There's a lot of confusing things about chili and their food. This is like that meal, which 11. is called once, but is 11 yeah. and it's, there's five of them. And <laughs> I was, Between five I was and nine. Fully lost by the end of your description. <laughs> yeah, well, the Italiano is a Chilean masterclass of a hot dog it is smothered in chopped tomato mashed avocado and lashings of mayonnaise i assume that's because of the italian flag because you've got uh, green oh, white yes. and, and red there the hot dog is very much about what you put on it right the hot dog itself is really little more than a vehicle isn't it as a rule mm-hmm. uh there is also a lovely lovely dessert there this is a flat pastry dessert which is twisted into sort of like a, a delicious shape and it's topped with icing sugar it's apparently very tasty okay. and that's called the ripped knickers <laughs> Ooh, interesting <laughs> What? <laughs> That's what it's called. It's called the Ripped Knickers. So for dessert, you want to order the Ripped Knickers. I feel like that's an order that could go horribly wrong in the wrong location. What about the wine? Did you sample much red wine? We know you're a fan of red wine. Fifth largest producer of red wine in the world. You must have loved being in Chile. I, w I went to a, a vineyard and winery um, quite close to Santiago. It was very large. It was the Concha y Toro one. And how was it? Was it delicious? Oh, ab absolutely. But you're a bit of a wine connoisseur, Paul. Tell us, what's the difference between Chilean wine? Like, what, what, how would you distinguish a Chilean Malbec from, say, I don't know, a Australian Scottish. or Scottish? <laughs> First of all, what distinguishes Chilean wine is it's made in Chile. Yes. But how would you taste that? I couldn't. Some people could. I couldn't. The thing is, though, that the New World Pinot Noirs are very good value. Well, before we move on to the next section, uh, just in five words, Mr. Dursley, how would you summarise Chile? Long, thin, changeable. I mean, so far I have an ex-girlfriend that is matching this exactly. 
very whiny. Still matching an ex-girlfriend of mine, but <laughs> full of something. Um, and the fifth one was revisitable. They're going to use that as their new tourism <laughs> slogan. Full of wine, also revisitable. <laughs> Just <laughs> so is your ex-girlfriend revisitable as well? Or is that one? <laughs> Not so much. She too. lost me at the end. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So we talked about dogs. We street did. Street dogs, which I looked up, and the scientific literature, Ryan, calls them free-ranging urban dogs. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> that makes free- them sound delicious for some awesome. reason. I've got, I will only eat free-ranging <laughs> urban dogs. <laughs> They're frud. Fr- <laughs> frud. Well, <laughs> Spike was obviously the key example of a frud we had, the quilto who was in all of the adverts. Yeah. So I realise now that I didn't look it up, but I should have done. So I'm hoping you know, Ryan. Yeah. After the poor death of Spike, did yeah. they get another dog or did they just start advertising the oil? Was it oil? It was gas. It was gas. Yeah. Lippy Gas was the name of the company. Did, did they replace it with a new dog? Is there a Spike 2 or are they just... Nope. They went in a different direction. I think that was the end of uh, the, the Quiltro commercial run that they had. There is only one Spike. Have you ever adopted a dog from the streets, Dursley? <laughs> I feel like Paul would be more like the dog catcher. Yeah. Running yeah, around with a big net. In a van. <laughs> in a van. I could see that. No, I, I disagree. I even had a dog as a child, but I will wish you to be whoa, a bit... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> okay, so now I need to add a dog to my mental image of you in the sailor suit with the big lollipop. Yeah. All right, um, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think it was a small dog or a big dog? It was a small dog. Was it a yappy type dog? Uh, or it wore was a bow tie. <laughs> what did Paul feed it? Uh, just scraps of chicken from the table. Nice. Which he wasn't supposed to, but he couldn't help himself. What did he call the dog? Heisenberg. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you three guesses at the name of the dog and I'll sort of try and give you clues after each one. It's Einstein. I was going to say After Newton. the dog from uh, Back to the Future. First of all, it was a bitch. To look after or? <laughs> no, the dog was a bitch. I'm going to say Newton. No, it was Curie. a bitch. Thatcher. Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> the, the weird thing is, it's quite a common name now, but I don't think it was then. Bella. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, did you make Bella wear a bow tie, though? No, no. Unfortunately, it was run over by a teacher at a local school. Oh, that's awful. Oh, no. Poor old Bella. Oh, Bella. So anyway, it turns out that Paul is a dog lover. Who knew? But I did look a little bit into street dogs around the world. Oh, okay. I found some things out. I found out that in India, the collapse of the vulture population, believe it or not, which had previously eaten all of the dead animal carcasses and also got rid of some of the pathogens for the food chain, meant the street dog population in India exploded. Wait, I don't understand. I guess there's more food because the vultures aren't eating the carcasses. So the vultures were dying off, so there was more carcasses? 
Yeah, there's less vultures to eat the carcasses, and then the dogs went, I'll have that. Carrion. Dogs all over the shop. Carrion, I think, is the word you're looking for. No, that's what you take on a plane. You said that in Chile, the dogs would wait for the crosswalks. Yeah. uh, Similar in Moscow. Apparently, they also travel on the metro. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Do they know where they're going? Like, I guess they probably do. Yeah, I think they must do. Uh, How... They don't pay their fare. They just just walk in and out, breeze in and out. That's understandable. Tickets, please. I get that. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to go to Chile, uh, but I do fear that I would come back with a cool throat (laughs) under my arm. (laughs) Yeah, I I find it quite difficult because, you know, street dogs, you just assume a vermin. I I wouldn't actually, but I grew up in the 80s where every homeless dog story was a beautiful film that you cried at. (laughs) The littlest hobo over and over again. Homeward bound and so on. (laughs) Okay. If you sort of see feral dogs around, you just think of dog catchers. I think rabies has probably got a huge part to play in that, right? And it makes me wonder how rabies hasn't got to Chile yet. I, I, I don't really know about rabies, but it's it's quite rare, but it's pretty nasty when you get it. Hydrophobia, isn't it? Fear of water when you get rabies. Mm. Indeed. But Ryan, you said you'd come back with a, a dog under each arm as a result of your trip to Chile. Yeah. Uh, tarantula in the pocket? No. They make excellent pets, and no. we're told? No, no. We mainly covered you holding Rosie the tarantula, didn't we? We did. And uh, you were remarkably calm. I was stunned by how calm I was, actually, and how yeah. non-frightening the tarantula was. Because if I'd seen that on television, I would have been <laughs> horrified. Yeah. But as it turned out, it was all right. That'll be the next thing, Pete. Scorpions. <laughs> Scorpions. Yeah. Tom's talking reptiles sitting there waiting for the call. Oh, yeah, I'll bet. What else could we get? I had a scorpion a couple of years ago. You held a scorpion? Handled one, yeah. Why? Well, it was offered to me. You say that like that's something that happens on the high street in your local town. No, it, it was sort of we were on a night walk and the guide found one and so was sort of showed us how to hold it um, so it didn't sting us. How, how big was this thing? Oh, it wasn't that big. It was about three inches long. So it fit It was, It was. fit in the palm of your hand quite easily. Were you nervous? No, not really. Uh, I, I don't mind those sort of things. And actually on the, the same night, we tickled a tarantula, which probably Tom wouldn't like, but the guide sort of kept on annoying this tarantula so it ran around. <laughs> if, if Tom's Talking Reptiles was to visit you, Paul, what would be the animal that you would be most fearful of them bringing? Now, how should I answer this? Should I lie so they bring something? So you bring get them to bring something I actually quite like <laughs> the puppy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like alligators. I can't see them dragging a nine foot alligator in through your door. <laughs> it would be well worth it if they're willing to give it a go. So. I want to talk about invasive species. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to tell you specifically about the Juan Fernandez Archipelago National Park. So it's home to a number of species found nowhere else on Earth, more in fact than the Galapagos Islands. Uh, it is an island. It is um, off the coast, obviously, of Chile. And there you can find the pink-footed shearwater. It's a type of seabird, mm-hmm. and it comes to this island to breed. And what it does is it burrows a hole in the ground and it puts their egg in there, I guess, to protect it. So, But these eggs now are being threatened by feral dogs, cats, and rabbits. 
Rabbits! Uh, which are intro- introduced by humans. And uh, rabbits, as we know, breed quickly. Oh, yes. It's, it's, the, it's the breeding rates. It's the famous logistic equation. So th- this has now caused a problem because these pink-footed shearwaters are not breeding as much. They are now critically endangered. Some efforts have been done to put a fence uh, around like their nesting site so nothing can sort of... I thought there. you were going to say around the islands. Not quite. <laughs> that wouldn't do very much. It's not worked. <laughs> yeah. But they've also had a successful cull of the rabbits, including hunting and poison. And that has actually, for the first time, seen uh, made the rabbits extinct. So they are no longer any rabbits on this island, which has seen breeding pairs increase by almost 40% in three years. It's the first marine bird to be protected with a national conservation plan. Oh, good. I mean, that is generally what we see mostly by man, but it's more the removal or the interfering with the environment that causes the problem rather than direct predation, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. We did talk a little about national animals. Mm, yes. And the national animal of the chili being the... Humal. Humal. Yeah. And the bird being the condor. Yeah. And I thought, what's our national animal? I know what it is. It's the unicorn and the lion. It is the lion and the unicorn, which I thought was an interesting choice for a country that has neither lions nor, I'm fairly confident, unicorns. <laughs> Do you know how I knew that, though? There used to be a newspaper which had a comic in it, which I used to read at the back, which had a lion and a unicorn in it. <laughs> That's how I remember. <laughs> That's where your knowledge comes from. Well, wherever it comes from, it's good knowledge. Solid. Knowledge. I like it. So I thought that was interesting because we've got these noble albeit not local creatures, comparing to the humble humal in Chile. And then, yet you compare the the national birds, the national bird of England, certainly, is the robin. You compare that to the mighty condor. (laughs) That's not a great bird, frankly. (laughs) But robins are vicious little buggers. That is true. That's how the sidekick of Batman gets his name, his persistent and aggressive nature. I thought it was because, as a kid, he was always stealing from people. That's magpies. Batman and Magpie. <laughs> no, I meant he was robbing people. Oh. <laughs> He's been robbing again. So are you casting aspersions against everybody whose name is Robin? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Robin. <laughs> I don't know if you know any other exciting national animals and birds, Paul? Well, I know one, obviously. The bald eagle. Yeah, that's interesting. What's the national animal of America? A bird is an animal. Why do you keep on about the difference? He makes a valid point. It's the bison, the buffalo. And why don't we have a national fish? Do we have a national fish? That's a good question as well. Well, (laughs) a lot of these things are made up on that. It's, oh, let's have a national animal. It's an excuse on a slow news day to have a poll. So I'm going to make my pitch now for the national fish of England, the pike. I think it's the cod. Well, cod is a sea fish, so surely you need a river fish to be a national fish. Oh, yeah, that's, that's why I think the pike, also the pike, just eats, gobbles up everything for itself, which is, historically speaking, what we used to do. Oh, God. <laughs> I, will, I will then go for the perch. Perch? Oh, trout then. Right, send in your vote for Britain's national fish. I don't know how we got to here, but we're here. God. We'll alert country file as soon as we've got the results. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, now I'm totally lost because <laughs> <laughs> wild diversion. 
So, Ryan, we talked about chinchillas. We did, cute little things. We did. And I think you did them a little dirty, because I did some chinchilla research. Oh. We're trying to find an ethical alternative to the chinchilla coat. <laughs> You're desperate to get a chinchilla <laughs> coat that's was, ethical. Exactly. I was trying to find a suicidal chinchilla of some kind <laughs> that would uh, be okay, but I failed. But what I did find out is that the chinchillas are used also in research about hearing. Hearing? Hearing, hearing. like your auditory canals and the, okay. all of that business. Uh, apparently, because the chinchillas have a similar hearing to us in that they hear the same frequencies and it's relatively the same sensitivity so they've got a similar hearing capability as human beings and also because they're relatively easy to train and they respond you can see what's the impact of the noises is if a cricket or something was used you know how do you know what it's responding to it just yeah doing nothing right uh and also they're quite docile so you'd rather have a chinchilla in the lab than something a bit more aggressive like a human so yeah that's they're used commonly for hearing research okay that makes me feel like they tortured their ears no, they just play them Barry Manilow and see how they get on. <laughs> oh, that is torture. <laughs> That's torture, Pete. <laughs> I set them up, you knock them in. So I've got one more thing, man. Okay. You mentioned pumas and I, it reminded me, I think I said it actually, I can't remember, maybe I didn't, I, maybe I just thought it, which was of course the pumas don't get a lot of press, but they do uh, represent a sports brand, the puma. Right. Firstly, I hadn't realised, I maybe just didn't pick up on your description that mm. mountain lions and cougars and pumas are actually all different words for the same beastie. Uh, and also we talked, oh, I thought about puma as the brand, the puma, the sportswear brand. Sure. Uh, which I discovered was, um, had some interesting history because there were a pair of brothers, including a chap called Adolf Dassler and a chap called Rudolf Dassler. Okay. Um, Adolf Dassler, he was known as Addy, Addy Dassler, he uh. created Adidas. He had a row with his brother and his brother split off to make his own brand of stuff called Puma. And so Puma was from these two brothers, the Dassler brothers, one of whom made Adidas, and the other one that came from Puma in the same year. They were started in the same year by the same family. Wow, that's very cool. Yeah, and it was lucky because uh, his first idea was to call the company Ruda. Right. Ruda trainers, I'm not sure. That well, because he was doing what his he brother was, did, Exactly, right? yeah. But uh, I think Puma was probably a better idea all in. Yeah. He should have changed his name to Putty Marshall. <laughs> Why have you changed your name to Putty Marshall? You'll see. You just You'll wait. See. <laughs> Branding genius. <laughs> So one of the things that got cut out of the episode was a story from 2016 about a 20-year-old man called Franco Luis Ferrado Roman, who uh, went to the Chile National Zoo. He found his way into an area that was staff only. Uh, he climbed up onto the roof of one of the enclosures. He prized open an access panel and jumped into the lion exhibit. He decided that he would then strip off all of his clothes and start talking to the lions. The lions started to maul him with all these children sitting there watching. <laughs> Um, the visitors then called for help from zoo workers. They came along and they used fire hoses to try and get water to push the, the lion's weight. That didn't work. So they went and got a tranquilizer gun and shot at the, the lions, but missed and shot the man instead. <laughs> Must be some relief in fairness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoy that. Well, I mean, this, Sad- is, this is natural selection in, in real time. It is, but sadly that didn't work. And so they had to shoot both the lions. So both lions died well, at the end of this story, which is really well, sad. Well, that's atrocious. But it is. They uh, should have shot indeed. the man. 
Well, they did, but with a tranquilizer. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, when paramedics arrived, he had wounds to his face, skull, neck, shoulders and groin. I hope he was sent to prison. Well, he went to hospital and he was in a coma. They found an apparent suicide note in his clothing, which later was discovered it wasn't a suicide note. It was actually sort of religious rantings. Uh, He thought that he was a prophet sent by God. And if he went in front of the lions, God wouldn't allow these lions to attack him. Okay, so that proves God doesn't exist. No. It only proves that God doesn't like this guy. (laughs) See, I've often wondered how big an area you would need in order to create a fully self-sustaining ecosystem. So effectively a safari park, right? If you had half a dozen lions, what's the minimum space? So if you're if in your zoo you've got both wildebeest and lions, obviously if you don't have enough wildebeest, the lions will eat them all and you run out of wildebeest. If you have too many wildebeest, I guess you they'll trample around. I don't know what they'll (laughs) do. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Out. <laughs> you also have some very could fat lions. Could you make a miniature ecosystem that was self-sustaining? So there was enough buffalo to turn over whilst the lions were able to eat them without it having to be the size of a small country. I mean, I'm sure there are places that try and achieve that. I, what, what I struggle with is the migration routes that animals have that can't quite be accommodated on a miniature scale. Maybe we just shrink the animals. So, Ryan. Yes, Peter. This is it. No more waffling around, beating around the bush. Surely we've got something else to talk we about. We have nothing else to talk Please. about. Please. It is time for you to take oh. your step forwards into the dock no. and prepare to face the judge. <laughs> judge Dursley, are you ready to give your verdict? Yes, I am. Will the defendant please rise? <laughs> your Honour, as usual, we will start proceedings by asking for your verdict on the factual content of Ryan's episode. The factual content. Uh... Well, I at the start, you see, the very first when the very first fact is wrong, it worries me. Can I believe anything else? No, that's fair. That is fair. But it is in the West. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the most westerly. I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. So I will give you B minus. Pretty good. Thank you, Your Honour. Okay, the second verdict, please, for entertainment value. Oh, dear. The sketches were a bit... Fantastic. (laughs) The punchlines were a bit predictable. Um, C+. C+. Okay. And that uh, carefully stowed his thoughts wisely, I think. But I will also give Pete a... B-. For the facts that he added into it. Was Wait, right well, he got better grade than I did. <laughs> well, yes, After because, two weeks' worth of research. Yes, because <laughs> he, he, he had the oomph to get up and learn something about it. Wait, well, you're giving him grades for tonight? <laughs> this is b- <laughs> <laughs> This is this is an outrage. <laughs> this is an absolute outrage that you're getting better grades than I am. I'm saying nothing. I can't. I'd like to be on your side, Ryan, but I'm scared. We must move on. Time is running out. Dursley factor, please. This is the wild card. What does Dursley think in general? Well, I like Chile. I've been to Chile. I really liked the time I had there. So for that fact and that fact alone, I should give you another 
B minus. Okay, so that was a B minus, a C plus, and a B minus. But all of that is mere preamble to the main event. Uh, Your Honour, the defendant stands. Oh, he's kneeling now. The defendant grovels before you. Have you reached a verdict? Yes. And uh, I must ask then, respectfully, for your ruling. I am going to give Ryan a B. A B! What a turnaround. <laughs> Remarkable. I, I don't know what to say, Peter. I can see you on the steps of the courtroom now going, I just can't believe the result I've had. <laughs> <laughs> So that's our show for this week. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you would like to get in touch about any of the things we've talked about on the show or just say hello, you can reach out to us on social media through the website hhepodcast.com or email us at Pete and Ryan at hhepodcast.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And you never know, you might end up featured on a future show like The Mighty Mark Waples, who very kindly sent us a gift of the gift that keeps on giving, in fact, a map which we scratch off each time we do an episode for a country. And we thoroughly enjoy doing that. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Like each of the countries are like covered in foil. You just scratch it off with a coin when we're done so it's fantastic gradually the world is revealing itself to us Uh, anyway one way to definitely feature on a future episode is to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts your recommendation there can really help us bring the show to new listeners that's right and if you're on TikTok or Instagram Facebook or Twitter you can find us at HHE Podcast and if you subscribe to those you're going to get an alert every time we post one of our little one minute animated bites We will, of course, be back again soon with the next episode. But in the meantime, if you want more, you can get our back catalogue of episodes in your podcast app or our website, hhepodcast.com. So once again, a huge thank you to the judge himself. Thank you, Paul. Vote Perch. (laughs) Thank you, Ryan, for an excellent episode. Vote Trout. (laughs) I guess all that's left to say is vote Stickleback. Tell me you didn't taxiderma, Bella. <laughs> no, I didn't. What What sort of child do you think I was? was sort of a Norman Bates child yeah. taxiderming the dog. The type who likes little sharp knives. <laughs> and chemicals. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I thought, I thought you were interested. Clearly you're not.